in Oklahoma City. And uh, what was it like playing for the Thunder for Oklahoma City? He said he's been working on his game. Uh, his family's content in being here. He's always respected the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, yes, he's, he's fine being here and being in the role he's in. Did you Google translate that? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I need to go back in and, and catch up on availabilities because I got very gun shy about like crap. I, I was like, I haven't seen the, I didn't see the post-game availability from either of the two games. So I was just like, every time I'm like, if I ask it and then it's already been asked before, then I'm just an idiot. Well, yes. Thank goodness for Spanish speaker, Jerry Ramsey, uh, because welcome to the OKC 82 podcast, everybody, the thunder lose once again to the Chicago bulls in their final preseason game, one Oh five to one Oh three. And for context for that, what we were just talking about, Al Horford was asked a question in post game availability uh, by a Spanish speaking journalist and replied in Spanish and, I, as just a normal, just, you know, a usual American who can only speak one language, I only understood Oklahoma City, just like Ryan. And Ryan Chapman is joining us along with Jerry Ramsey. Uh, Ryan, you guessed that he was demanding a trade from Oklahoma City, but thankfully, like I said, Jerry Ramsey, noted, well-documented Spanish speaker, uh, did the job for us and told us that, no, he, he just enjoys playing in Oklahoma City. Yeah, shout out Jerry for, for knowing that. I, also, this is my bad because I had I had every intention going into this of asking him what it was finally like to suit up for the Thunder after all these years. Um, but uh, just got a little gun shy there. It, not enough people were asking questions. I felt like it was not the time to make a joke about Al Horford uh, being the reason that, that Kevin Durant went to Golden State. All that stuff, uh, you know, not the time or the place. I do want to say, though, when Maladon and uh, Dort answer questions in French, I am out. So... Uh, you rest of you, you people can figure that stuff out and use Babel. No, we need to get, messing with it. We need to get Butterfield uh, a French dictionary and just say, start now, start now. <laughs> Teo Maladon, I don't know if you've paid attention, but Teo Maladon is going to be a, a Hall of Famer, as we all know, because of his two uh, very promising preseason games. But, of course, he sat out tonight to rest because Mark Dagnall said pregame that he wanted to see what Hamdou Diallo could do um, as the lead guard from the bench. But Guys, actually, that's kind of where I want to start with this game because this is a game that the Thunder, of course, like I said, they they lost. But at one point late in the third or midway through the third quarter, I think they led by as many as 22 points. And they were able to get that lead in large part because of the bench at the end of the first half. The bench outscored the Bulls at one point, 27 to 10. And that, of course, kind of got out of hand, obviously, because a 35 uh scoring quarter for the thunder in the second quarter was counterbalanced by the bulls's fourth quarter where they outscored the thunder 34 to 13 but um ryan i'll start with you uh it's always going to be a question with the bench because with this roster because you can kind of you can talk yourself into hey the starting five is not bad you know we know sga is capable of al horford is by far probably the best player most complete player on this team and then darius Baisley is always going to give you a positive kind of cherry on top. And then who, who the hell knows what Lou Dort's going to be able to do offensively, but it's an okay starting five. It's always going to come down to the bench. And tonight they really showed what they're capable of. And a lot of it had to do with just Pokashevsky hitting shots. Uh, Frank Jackson having another nice game, but I mean, what did you see uh, from the Brent from the benches output in the second quarter? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that's the story of what this team will be. A, a subplot, maybe maybe a C plot here, um, other than the development, is like the bench is going to be a roller coaster because 
that's what separates the, the great teams from the bad teams in this league. It's, it's the consistency, the depth, things like that. But I think this team has a chance to be um, interesting if their bench is hitting like it is tonight. Mike Muscala, he's coming off of one of his better years. Last year was his best year since he was in Atlanta. Shout out Hawks. Um, but Mike Muscala came in pretty consistent. Pokashevsky looked confident and um, he didn't look like he had as many of those just dumb mistakes early on. Um, which to me says that hopefully he, he's, you know, figured out, okay, at least some of the, the headline, I obviously cannot do this in, in the NBA, things instead like that. Of, instead of seven mistakes, he had five. So yes, it is trending in the proper direction. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it was not perfect by any means, not ready to crown him anything. I know Jerry was, you know, wanting to turn off the TV for 25 minutes of this game, but it's just something where some of the more obvious ones where he quickly was like, Oh, Okay, that can't happen. And I think that'll be interesting because I, I think it was you, Brady, who posed this question on Twitter. Like, who's the better group of shooter, the shooters on this team, the bigs or the guards? It'll be an interesting mismatch if, if those bigs can get going. And this is an area that the Thunder can pop up and win some of those games they shouldn't this year just because it is it is a hard matchup when guys like Moscow and Pokashevsky are hitting on the same night. And real quick, uh, Jerry, before – you give your take. I, I'm just curious. Are you drinking a fit franchise Pilsner from uh, Vanessa house? I am not drinking a franchise Pilsner from Vanessa house. I am drinking a, uh, some sort of crocodile Christmas beer. So oh, well, you know. remaining festive, but, but shout out to Vanessa house. And uh, I think they sold out of there. Was it their chocolate chip? Uh, stoutness. Like, they yeah. had their little stoutness event today. Yeah. Uh, so, it, sounded, uh, it sounded awesome, but uh Maybe a little too much for me personally, but I'm I'm a weakling. So no, I love it. I listen. I love this this uh, season of dark beer. Uh, the darker the better. The you know the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. Whatever it is, whatever uh, <laughs> that that goes with the beer for sure. Uh, this is Guinness season, and uh, I've been getting I've been Guinnessing a lot. But um, I mean, what do you want? I mean, what do you want me to say I mean, about? Do you want me to really get into Poku right now? Do you want to get into the big shooting? Do you want me to get into the small shooting? Well, well I guess so because I. I I would probably assume. No. Uh, oh, I have breaking news. By the way, do you have a breaking news sounder? By the way, nothing. Uh, there you go. Uh, literally, I'm holding in my hand right now the Thunder Wave. You ready? Yeah. Admiral Schofield and Thunder Legend TJ Leaf. Wait a minute. Where are you seeing that? That just popped up on the uh, the emails. So Thunder Wave TJ Leaf and Admiral Schofield right now. This would be. December 18th, 2020, the Oklahoma City Thunder have waved forward C.J. Leaf and Admiral Schofield. It was announced today by Executive Vice President and General Manager Sam Presti. Leaf appeared in two preseason, game, uh, two preseason games with the Thunder, registering eight points and seven rebounds. He originally was acquired from Indiana for, uh, on uh, November 25th. Schofield appeared in two preseason games, grabbing two rebounds and dishing out two assists. He was originally acquired from Washington on November 19th. Well, that's interesting because uh, I guess a little bit inside baseball, uh, Chisholm Holland, um, our good friend Chisholm Holland and I were actually texting yesterday about who is the third player to be cut from this roster going to be because we we thought we safely assumed it'd be uh, Moses Brown. Yep. Not Maybe not even Moses because he's a two-way player. I can't remember who it was, but the third player was always the question. And Chisholm, I mean, I, I don't mean to speak for him because I guess this is kind of a hot take, but Chisholm was kind of arguing for Hamadou Diallo to be the third guy uh, waved. And I said, Admiral Schofield, just because I don't know what, what he brings to the table with this roster, with what this franchise is trying to do short-term, long-term or anything. 
Uh, they've got plenty of bigs, and Schofield is technically an under super undersized big. But um, I will say that's rather shocking and very Thunder-like to do this when we are recording post-game podcasts. No, absolutely. And I'm sending it to both of you guys in case you didn't get it or if you're just going to get it later or whatever. But um, I think we, we had the conversation and, I, you know, I thought that I think I, I brought up the question, where is TJ Leaf? Right. I think that was the question that I brought up. And I think in the fourth quarter, because here was a guy that we just kind of barely saw. And I thought this was the, was the Oklahoma City, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder's M.O. was getting a big guy that could shoot, but also a big guy that could set picks, you know, kind of behind an Al Horford and still be able to pick and pop and whatever. And just for some reason it didn't jive. So yeah, uh, there you go. And Admiral Schofield was, he just seemed like one of those dudes that were in the mix. And if he shined or if he popped or flashed, uh, maybe he'd be able to, to get a chance to, to click on kind of like uh, Frank Jackson has, right. He was kind of in that mix of dudes and suddenly he kind of flashed. But, um, man, just didn't work out for Leaf or uh, Schofield. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting, too, because, Jerry, you had kind of mentioned to us as we're texting back and forth during the game, it's crunch time. The Thunder had seen that lead whittled and whittled away that entire fourth quarter, and Dagnall stood pat, didn't make any moves, things like that. I believe the lineup on the floor was both the Jacksons, Leaf, um, Poku, and uh, who was the fifth to close there? Williams. Was it? Uh... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, we know Poku's safe. We know that, that Frank Jackson's golden, but maybe he's he's putting the other three out there because he said these these are some guys that we're looking at. We're trying to decide. It's, it's the Batman moment of uh, the Dark Knight moment of breaking the pull cue, dropping one down and said, make it quick, trying to figure out who's going to sink and who's going to float. And uh, it's hard to argue with, you know, dumping TJ Leaf after he came in and was just a non-factor, even in mop-up duty in a preseason game. Yeah. Yeah, I totally I, agree. I will say removing the logjam of the bigs on this roster probably bodes well that no matter how ugly it could potentially get, Pokushevsky is going to get a ton of run. I mean, I know he's running with the wings right now, and I know he kind of asserts himself as a wing because anytime he gets a defensive rebound, the good thing about him is he's always looking up the floor to try to push it. That's, that's a great asset to his game. It's a great asset to the Thunder. Uh, but I think at some point, he, him being seven foot two he's going to be a big. And especially once he physically matures, um, I think you're just, no matter how bad it's going to look at some point in the season, he's going to get a lot of run despite what it act, what he actually looks like. But I guess back to the game, uh, if we can, uh, let, let's put a bow on the bench guys, but really quick, Ryan, the reason why I put, I posed that question of who shoots better on this roster, the bigs or the guards here, I'll just throw you the stat. Um, and I just went starters on this one, uh, but the bigs, so this is Darius Baisley and Al Horford combined for 27 points on six of nine shooting and the guards 27 points on two of seven shooting. And this was all three point shooting, by the way, um, because Darius Baisley missed a handful of bunnies at the, uh, at the rim, but uh, it, it's weird. It's really weird, Jerry, because this is a franchise that has always wanted that big to shoot well. And the year they get it is the year that they're like, yeah, we just don't want to win that much this year. It's just so interesting too, and I listen, and I have so many hot takes. It's going to be so annoying this year. Uh, listen to me talk about Poku and getting off with that. But right now, um, he's just he's a what is it? Uh, is it uh, December twenty fourth, twenty fifth, somewhere around 
he's going to turn 19 really quick. So it's not the 18 year old anymore. He's going to be the 19 year old by uh, 2021. But um, you're right, Brady. He he's going to have to be a big. He's going to have to be a four. And eventually they're going to play him at a five. Uh, but I keep on saying that he's going to look. I think he's going to look like Lori Marketing. I do. I think when he fills out, he's going to be that guy who's going to be a perimeter guy. He's going to be um, maybe somebody who's going to figure out how to get to the rim. Eventually, he did grab some rebounds, but see, and I'm being that guy, and I'm trying not to. But honestly, some of them just kind of popped into his seven foot wings. Yeah, you know, his, his wings just kind of popped to him. So I'm glad that he got a double double. That's great, but you know, some of those rebounds just kind of came to him. Uh, but he's man, he just has a whole bunch of feel to get in the game. You know, he loves sauce, right? He tried the uh, behind the back pass yeah. early in the first uh, half and then you know yeah. the move the move was nice on the baseline to get to the bucket and he finished that w- that was nice but th- boy it's like teaching a teenager how to drive and I, I use this on the radio today just teaching a teenager how to drive they're going to hit a curb uh they're going to back up into your wife's car you know they're going to do terrible things you cringe at it but they have to learn how to drive and i kind of think that's your point on that brady yeah, I mean, I, I said it on Twitter during the game. Like, he, he is jumping – he is diving into the deep end before he graduates swimming lessons. And you admire the fearlessness, and you admire the fact that he knows he's capable of doing it because he's making the mistakes. He's getting the ball stolen from him when he's trying to cross somebody up. But you can tell he's he knows what he's doing. So at some point, he's going to understand the speed of the game in the NBA. He's going to adapt to it. And he will be able to be more successful when he's trying to do all the sauce, when he's trying to do all the flash, because uh, that behind the back pass, it took an eternity to get to. I think it went to Frank. <laughs> was Jackson. he looking for? Was it okay, Frank Jackson? I, I think it was, was Frank Jackson, but it okay. took like a good few seconds to get there, and it, it was like Chicago's like, all right, just go ahead and have it. But um, the thought is there with Pokushevsky, and we all know this. It's going to be a long time for him to. Um, actually be able to put it all together if this year at all so but I, I, I guess let's move into I mean do you Brian do you want to or did you have a uh, take on uh, Coach Jesse I was just real quick December 26th for Poku's birthday he will play one game against the Rockets as an 18 year old then welcome to America you'll be celebrating your birthday in the Queen City at Charlotte game you need he needs to tell Harden it's his birthday I don't know if you've seen but when James Harden knows it's your birthday he kind of goes all out so maybe if he just sort of it, well, if Harden's there, uh, well, uh, he actually can't get into the establishment where Harden would deliver the birthday presents. So. Not the, uh, not the problem they had with the rappers, Ryan. Cause I think they were 20 and 20 or 20 and 19. They okay. brought, they brought the establishment to them. Okay. Let, let's be honest. They walk in, they <laughs> see Poku and they say, I, I'm going to get my license pulled. Uh, this guy's a narc. <laughs> We are going to do some hard time if they see Lexi Pokushevsky. So uh, it's not 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 the same situation. If there's a lower leg injury to Poku after the Christmas break, I think we know what it was. <laughs> oh, welcome to America. Um, yeah, guys, let's let's get into um, just minor things before we get to the end of the game. Um, Frank Jackson had another solid effort. Uh, he was a guy that when we had our initial. A podcast. I can't remember if it was a podcast or a meeting. Um, but when we had our initial whatever it was, we all kind of like threw out a player who we were all kind of excited for. That wasn't SGA. That wasn't Darius Baisley, just the usual guys. And I said Frank Jackson just mainly because of how he performed in the bubble with New Orleans uh, over the la- over their last eight games. 
I liked what I saw. And I thought with the extended role, the extended opportunities, I feel like that he, I feel like that he would be able to, to thrive. And just in two games, I like, it's kind of like the tail Maladon thing where he's not doing anything incredible, but he's completely in control. He's not doing too much. He's not doing too little. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do and it's working. And um, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm a little too optimistic, but uh, I mean, I like me some Frank Jackson and I want to see more opportunities out of him. And Mark Dagnall even drew up the potential game winning play for him. He just wasn't unable to get it to fall. Well, I'm just really interested to see, because this is something I've kind of uh, dinged the thunder for ever since the first go around that, that first core that they had, I've never felt like the thunder have had a core identity when they get into the playoffs. It always seems like they have a lot of guys that are versatile so that they can match up with whoever they get. It's never, we play this style of basketball and teams are going to have to adjust to us. It's, we have a superstar. We're going to throw Kevin Durant. We're going to throw uh, Westbrook out there. And yes, you have to make the adjustments on that, but but everything else we're going to adjust to them. I'm interested to see if this three guard lineup, as you know, the league becomes increasingly more positionless, kind of becomes the fabric of it worked so well last year. It's what the Thunder, that lightning in the bottle, they continue to try and recreate because additions like Taylor Maldon and, and Frank Jackson allow you to kind of replicate that even throughout the second unit. Cause, cause like you said, Brady, they both are very um, they're, they play very controlled and are in full control and are trying to move the defense around and, and things didn't look as stagnant when Frank Jackson was out there as, you know, other second units we've seen. And even last year when SGA was running it with, with the second unit, it looked stagnant at times. So I, I, I'm interested to see if that allows them to try and build a coherent identity as the season goes. Cause, cause if I have any, wish for what the the second era of thunder basketball would be it's that there is an identity outside of just one or two superstars and then rangy and lengthy and and hopefully they can just match up i love what maladon has done basically forcing uh dagnalt's and hamidou diallo's hand i mean i just kind of shows up robert redford natural style and just like yeah nba i got it yeah i can do this so Dagnall has to sit him because he, you know, he basically has to have a reason to give Hami an opportunity to show, you know, what he's, his worth is on the team. So um, first of all, my original guy I thought was going to be awesome was TJ Leaf. Uh, that didn't work. Good out. job, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. We, we we all need to see. We all need to send uh, roses to our good friend Dylan Buckingham. Apparently, because <laughs> I, I had no idea. I should have known that he was a well, come on Brady. That's my Brady, bad. That's Brady. a layup. Come he, on. He has a type. I try not yeah. to assume, guys. In true TJ Leaf style, a layup. That's all. Just a layup. I mean, I, I, I straight up asked him on Twitter, like, hey, was Travis Knight your favorite player back in the day when you were younger? And he was like, no, Travis Ford. I'm just like. How uh, could he? He was a uh, big Kate Davis guy. And I did I did go public with my TJ left uh hot take on that nice so yes tj left um but maladon has has forced a hand and i i I don't think that uh anybody was ready for him to develop that quick everybody saw something obviously and they wanted him but there you go uh hamidou diallo i think is feeling maladon you know breathe on his neck and he's european so you know they think that's like a cool thing well, it's just, a different, it's just a different it's, culture. It's just a different culture. It's it's a not They're not neck. great with personal space, okay? Look, so that's it is what it on. is. That's going on with Maladon, and I, I think I, – I can't wait to see how they actually implement him. 
So my thing with Hami guys, and he, he was incredible in the first half. He was a big part of the Thunder's bench, like really extending that lead, getting it up to 22 points over the Bulls uh, midway through the third quarter. But my big thing with him, guys, is just he can have nights like this where he gets to the rim and he can will his, will his way, will the ball into the hoop. He is so crazy athletic. He can jump for days. He can out-jump basically everybody. Um, he's fast, very quick. It's just not something that you can depend upon every single night. He's going to have off nights. His off nights are bad. I mean, this, the, their game against the Bulls on Wednesday – I think he took seven, eight shots. I mean, he takes a lot of shots for a guy who's not very efficient, and he takes a lot of shots for a guy who basically has no jumper whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right, Jerry. I mean, Teo Maldon has played extremely well in just two preseason performances, but it's incredible that we're at this point now where we're just kind of talking about maybe it might be jumping the gun just a little bit, but we're talking about like, a rookie just basically taking the spot of a player who's been with this organization now going into his third year. Longest yeah. tenured member of the Thunder. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and just kind of to, you know, talk about the longest tenured Thunder. Uh, and, and one more shot is at Poku, you know, whenever we were had the availability with him. Uh, I, I asked Poku, like, you know, what veterans are you talking to about, you know, your, your game, your, what to expect in the preseason, what to expect in the season, stuff like that. And of course he says long, you know, long to after he kind of thought about it and he said, well, I, I talked to you know, all my teammates, which was him buying time thinking, Oh God, don't, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't make anybody mad. And he's like, you know, the Al Horford and, and uh, you know, the Hill, the George Hill. And I thought to myself, he's not talking to Shea. He's not talking to Hami. He's, you know, he's not talking to guys who have been here with the Oklahoma city culture. He's talking to, the old guys that go in. So this is where we're at in Oklahoma city. Brady and Ryan is uh, longest tenured, whatever uh, they're going to have to figure out their best six, seven, eight guys, rotate those guys in. And if Hami's not a part of it, I mean, he's gone the way of Abdul Nader and Deontay Burton. I mean, they were given a shot. They were given, I'm sorry. And Ter- Terrence Ferguson, right? No, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's cool. We're seeing it. We're not just, we're not just picking this out of nowhere because we yep. don't like Hamadou Diallo. I love Hamadou Diallo. He's a great guy. He's a great guy to talk to. And I, I root for him. I want him to do well, but it's just, it's apparent what he is capable of doing. And it's incredible. He is an incredible athlete. It's just, unfortunately, just like Terrence Ferguson, he is unable to harness that athleticism and, and use it on the basketball floor consistently. And I hate to, and then one more, I'll let you go after this, Ryan, but I don't see him in that eight man rotation. I don't. Yeah, no, I mean, it's basically, this is a two-year window where if you are not a part of the Thunder come 21-22, it's, it's on you because you're going to be given every opportunity. You're going to be put in different roles, roles that you've never been in before, as we see now, Hami, primary ball handler, something I never would have pegged him as, as an NBA player. Dagnall's basically telling all these guys, look, we're going to give you every opportunity to flash any skill set you have because they are going to have to be like the, obviously it's a professional sporting business it's cutthroat all this stuff we, we've seen as they hacked off the entire roster and and shipped them all over the country but it, you've got a two-year window to make the decision on who is your core because that's going to impact 
obviously the next two or three years, it's you're drafting the best player you can. But then after that, it's going to impact who you're bringing in as Ariza comes off the books, as Hill comes off the books, as Horford eventually gets flipped, whether it's this year, next year, or, or the year after. Like you're going to have that money to go out and spend. You need to identify what who's the core and who we need to bring in to, to spend and surround them. And I'm like, like guys like Hami, like it's unfortunate, but if if you're not here in two years, it's because you just weren't able to to keep on moving with the direction of this organization this season. So, I, oh, sorry, Ryan, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say it'll be really interesting because you would think a team that is I, the Thunder aren't tanking, but they're not trying to win right now. Obviously, they've collected the assets, all that stuff. It's not your conventional tank. Usually, you think, oh, it's a it's a pressureless situation. They're happy if they lose, things like that. But it, these these bench guys, it's a high pressure year because yeah, they're losing games. But every single night matters because every one of those data points of what can you do for this team once we bring in that high-level talent that, that comes at the top of the draft, are you going to be a part of it or are you going? So I, I'm really interested to see because I, I think this team will still have great effort night in, night out because you're going to have to from the sixth, seventh, eighth guy on the bench. And I'm telling you, Maladon, if he shows any sort of defensive ability, Lou Dort better be looking over his shoulder also. No kidding. And that was one thing I did want to mention, uh, Jerry, because I was actually kind of looking forward to listening to your show on Monday and being able to hear you say Lou Dort hasn't hit a shot since James Harden blocked him. And this dude had to go and make a three point shot in the third quarter. So I'm sorry. <laughs> rest in peace to uh, uh, that what take. I consider a very funny thing to say. Yes, it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. <laughs> but now it just changes to Lou Dort's only made one shot since. <laughs> Uh, James Harden's blocked him, but uh, the truth, the truth of the matter is guys, both you guys, uh, we all appreciate what Lou Dort did last year. And it was pretty uh, phenomenal to watch what he did around all those veterans being that, you know, that guy who did all the dirty work and did everything right now. That story doesn't fit what's going on with the Oklahoma city thunder right now. They need a third heat. They need somebody at that. That's capable of doing uh, what Lou Dort was doing last season. And obviously he's just not comfortable to do it. And I know, you know, he, whatever, he didn't play game one because he, you know, did not, not have COVID. I mean, I just, we don't know, obviously the Thunder keeping tight lips on a bunch of those guys on how that's working, but you know, I mean, he, Lou Dort's going to have to figure it out quick. Cause he does not look like the Lou Dort that I've seen. And I asked Mark Dagnalt about playing the same team twice. I would have loved to seen, Lou Dort play another team to see defensively if he could put his, you know, teeth into another guy. Uh, but you just, you had that same backcourt that it was just barbecue chicken. Every time you Levine saw him, like he was cooking him. And yeah. it was a bad matchup for Dort. Yeah. Levine's a, he's a quicker, he's a quicker player than like a James Harden. It's a different type of ask yep. to try and defend somebody like that. And it's preseason. He hasn't like, they haven't played obviously since the bubble. And the other thing, Lou Dort, I think, is a more capable player than Andre Robertson. He is, of course, not as consistently great defensively as Andre Robertson was prior to his injury. But just imagine Andre Robertson on a team like this. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Andre Robertson makes a lot of sense on a playoff contender where you you know you're going to be playing in big games, and in those big games you tell your best defender, go chase their best player around. Lou Dort makes sense on a team like that as well, even as raw as he is. I don't know what he's going to be able to do with this team, uh, mainly because, like, Ryan, I may be wrong, but he might just be asked to be doing too much than what he's capable of doing right now. Like he makes more sense on, a like, a playoff team. Well, yeah, I, 
interesting you went straight to Andre because I feel like Dort is the exact opposite player of him if you're still in the range of defensive stopper. Andre, lengthy, super athletic, like this is the kind of matchup he would have thrived in. Then you go down to the offensive end of the floor and you're begging him to shoot when like he's got all the space in the world, the defense sags off and you're like, please, please, please shoot. You turn the page, Dort, you know, obviously he's still an athletic guy, but he's more that bulldog. He's going to fight you through it. Um, it allows him to to be the James Harden stopper to, to play well on LeBron. But unfortunately, where Robertson, you were begging him to shoot, Dort has the potential to shoot you out of games. We saw it in the playoffs in the bubble last year. We saw it when they played, was it two nights ago? Sorry, I'm losing track of time here, gentlemen. But uh, when they played Chicago in the first game, so I, I'm interested just to see, like, uh, on one hand, you want to empower your young players to improve, to have that confidence, things like that. But with Dort, with Poku at times you're gonna have to be like, all right, I get that you're confident, but you, you need to make the good basketball play. You need to make the good decision. And, and that's what we'll have to see. So I, I'm not necessarily like, I'm concerned just because I think we saw it in the playoffs and we've seen it in the preseason, but he's got plenty of time. If we get to through this first half of the schedule and we still have these problems, then I'm really worried. And it's like you said, Jerry, like I, I kind of hypothesized that maybe Dort needs to be moved to a sixth man role. And it's a different six man role than what we've seen with Dennis Schroeder. It's he comes in to provide that defensive spark and it lets you stagger SGA and Hill so that you have that kind of production. But now with, with Teo Maldon, you bring him in, it lets you rotate around Hill SGA and Maldon. That way you can get two of those guys on the floor and not lose your defensive prowess. And, and then you can kind of hide his offensive, you know, struggles. Listen, I know we're talking about all this, and Brady, I just want to throw this out there too. There is a good three or four minutes there in the second quarter that the two veterans are on the court with SGA, with Darius Baisley, and the ball movement was crisp. The movement was nice, and there you could, you could sense an energy of a team. And through all the preseason, I've only seen that for like less than 10 minutes. And so – this is a this boy, oh boy, oh boy. This is a work. Uh, and preseason meant nothing. Preseason was literally just the beginning of trying to figure this stuff out. Mark Dagnall as much said so uh, in the uh, pre in the pregame. It's like we, you know, we're not we're not worried about who we're playing. We're just, you know, we're trying to figure out our camp and just see who gets better and who doesn't. Yeah, this might be a little weird uh, because because SGA shot six of 14 from the floor. So not very good uh, finished with 14 points and five assists. But I thought, I mean, what you were just saying, the ball movement, I think SGA had a phenomenal game as a passer. I feel like he, he set up his teammates for a lot of open looks, especially Darius Baisley. He found Darius Baisley in a, in two or three instances where he got him into a spot where Darius Baisley was able to get the ball and then go immediately downhill. And this is kind of segueing into the last thing that I wanted to get to before we wrapped up guys. Uh, is Darius Baisley. Um, I'm excited for him. I've been excited for him basically since his rookie year when I saw him at Summer League. Um, I've said point forward is his is his ceiling. Um, he's not there yet, obviously. I feel like he can get there uh, with some positive development, of course. But he struggled mightily finishing at the rim. But my God, can he get to the rim? And with his size, with his ability – his basketball IQ, everything that he's capable of doing. Also, he does have a nice little jumper to make up for it. Um, it just just wasn't falling for him tonight. I asked Al Horford uh, in the post game, and Al Horford basically said, "Yeah, it's just a confidence thing. 
those will fall. But I mean, do you guys like the attacking Darius Baisley or do you want to see more like point forward in development or just more like just trail the play SJ will find you and spot up and shoot because outside of Al Horford, he's probably the most consistent three point shooter of the starting five, unless George Hill just decides to score. Is it bad to say I want both? I mean, you like, can have, I mean, you can want whatever you want. It's your typical, I'm, it's your generation. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess for what the NBA is going toward and going to be, you would want him to be that spot up three point shooter kind of trailing there. Let SGA find him. But look for, for right now, if, if Poku is going to be a big part of this team, like I'd say Baisley is more able to get down there and bang on the low block than Poku is. So maybe, having Baisley able to attack but that's just kind of what if you're stretching the floor with with Baisley and Poku like I I don't know what I'd want but in two or three years if those guys can keep on their development things like that but I just want to see the decision making if he can learn when he needs to attack and when he needs to trail back and just camp out on the three-point line like that's only going to make him harder and harder to defend and we know that he has that athleticism and um, you know, people talk about Poku being the youngest player in the league, stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, basically still a really, really young, raw player taking that year off, going to New Balance, things like that. Um, I, I'm just interested to see if he can continue to make that decision-making. Like, you can have a little bit of both. Whenever uh, the season ended and we were all there, uh, whenever Utah screwed everything up, uh, during the offseason, we all were amazed of what he did to his body and what he did with his game came back. And I think they showed the graphic about, you know, his bubble versus uh, the regular season before they got there. And even in the preseason, I mean, coming off of picks and being able to get a jumper, you know, at the free throw line or whatever, and look very comfortable like that. I'm a fan of that. I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, and I really, really, really like the idea of the playmaker, Darius Baisley. I don't know yet about where he's a scorer. And I, I, I want, I, when I want a perfect world, I want to see SGA start setting up Darius Baisley yeah. to you know, take over three and four minutes of the offense. That would be amazing, but that's not where we're at yet. And while we're waiting for that to happen, because that's the real chemistry that I want to see is those two. And I want chemistry between him and Horford. That's not what we're trying to do here. I don't want to see chemistry with him and, you know, George Hill. That is not what we're doing. We want to see the chemistry of him and Darius Baisley because we need to answer the question. Do you get a guy to compliment those two or are those two the compliment to the guy? That's yeah. the damn question on this team this year. Is, or uh, SGA is the high schooler who came into school with a, with a senior you know, older sibling is a freshman and he just spends all of his time hanging out with all the seniors in like a year, they're all going to be graduating. He's going to have no friends like Shay. It's great. Awesome. Learn their experiences, but you, you need to start connecting with the guys that are your age so that we can figure out what to do with you, bro. Was I think it was Nick Gallo that kept on asking, like, yeah, it's Horford, and he asked the coach, and he's just like, you know, the it seems like Shay and uh, Al Horford have a great chemistry already. And it's like, no, dude, that's not what they no, stop I, it. I would break them up. They're like, you know, they're like two teenagers making out in church. Like, stop. <laughs> this is not, this is not the place. Can't ask that girl out. She's about to move, man. Just don't fall in love. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Absolutely. She's here with her aunt because her parents are going through a divorce. Yeah. I mean, she's just chill. She's going to be gone in the summer. Just don't do it. Just do not do it. Well, guys, um, 
the Thunder wrap up their preseason uh, one and two. Uh, the Chicago Bulls take a 2-0 win, a lead in the series against the Thunder, uh, of course. But any final thoughts as we go, as we exit training camp, exit preseason, and then uh, gear up for Wednesday night, the Thunder's first game on the road against maybe James Harden? He may be there. He may not be there. He may be on the team, but he may not play. We don't know. Uh, and the Houston Rockets on Wednesday. I want to shout out to you real quick, though, Bubble Boy. Uh, way to go. Way to go and be the boots on the ground and the experience for the Oklahoma City Thunder and uh, the franchise. Uh, it's been weird. Uh, we've heard all kind of weird things. And, and like I said, on the night that uh, Utah closed us down, document everything. Brady because this is something you can be able to tell your kids and your grandkids that you know you covered the MVP uh, the NBA in this weird time so uh shout out to you like I said for being boots on the ground what Thanks. was the box lunch by the way it was a um they they have like different ones so they'll have like it's mainly like a sandwich so sure. like the sandwiches are all different I I picked turkey swiss okay. I, I just I kept it gave it to my girlfriend I don't didn't really want it and then they had salt and vinegar chips a cookie and an orange so you know it's better than nothing and i appreciate it i would have eaten none of those things i would have been i'm out on all of that none of that fits in glad i wasn't there <laughs> you're on this that, night you're on that christine butterfield like workout plan so i don't blame yes. you. yes yes indeed yes indeed i would have eaten every single one of those plus and the orange oh and there were, and there was a hershey's kiss in there by the way i don't ah. know if that was accidentally placed in there if it was a plant i don't know i don't know if it was a you know, like a bug and the thunder were trying to hear me like sit by myself and like badmouth them up in the press box. But, you know, I don't All know. By <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, thank you very, very much for listening to the OKC 82 podcast. Once again, thank you to Jerry Ramsey uh, for stepping in as well as Ryan Chapman. Uh, we, we don't know what Ryan Chapman's availability is going to be with the podcast moving forward super consistently he's got some cool stuff coming up and we'll let let that happen so ryan can talk about it but whenever ryan is available he will be probably on this podcast helping out with thunder coverage and of course jerry as well because christine wasn't able to watch the first half at least she was doing other stuff and uh just you know like eh, i don't want to do the podcast i was like no I'll blame you so and what's great is the thunder are cutting people brady so we might be able to reach out to them uh to see if they're available to do some of this stuff too Let's give Admiral a promotion. <laughs> yeah, a rear, are you, is it Rear Admiral? Is I think it, Rear I Admiral the is the higher rank, yeah. <laughs> or he could be a Guardian. Do you guys see the Space Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Guardian oh. of the Galaxy, Admiral Schofield. This is it's a tr it's a troll job, man. But, oh well, oh well. That's how we'll wrap it up. Everybody, <laughs> no, I, go I ahead. Just, I feel awful for the writers of the show Space Force because they're sitting there and they just had to rip up half their seasons. They're just like, back <laughs> to the drawing board. We can't. It's like we can't. What are we, we? What are we supposed to do? We can't satirize something that is that is satire. They're just, hey, just going to cancel the show. Here, here's the thing. We we don't need to get into politics that much, but I will say this. You know what? 150 years from now, historians might be looking back and saying, "Man, that Donald Trump was so forward thinking." If if not for the. <laughs> If not for the Space Force that he created, we would have never been able to avert that alien invasion or destroy that meteorite that was hurtling towards Earth to kill us all. I will be glad I'll be long gone before I have to watch the documentary about the unappreciated Donald Trump. <laughs>
And that's how I'm getting out of here. I just buried myself. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to OKCA2. Hopefully you stick with us when the season starts. But thank you once again. Talk to you guys later.